0: what what else what other movement can you say that about and so we got to be really really careful that we keep our hearts in check and do not become judgmental of anyone else any other stream any other movement and and we don't want that for our house and and so and we know we're not like that generally but i just want to reassert that out there that that's not who we are we want to love those streams and and those ones who are flourishing and being blessed uh, i mean seriously let's just Pray for more for them, more upon them. The anti-poppy syndrome, you know, and uh, belief for abundance upon them and and just blessing and, hey, if they're millionaires, make them multi, multi, multi-millionaires and whatever. I mean, seriously, it breaks every poverty spirit and religious spirit when you pray like that uh, because it's completely opposite to that spirit of religion that wants to creep in and say, well, hang on, how much is he getting? What's he on? What salary is he on? You know, I mean, that's such a poverty mentality, and we do not operate like that. And so, um, yeah, that's it for today. Let's go home, hey? (laughs) See, Karen gives the love. (laughs) Anyway, I do too, but, you know, we do it in different ways. But anyway, so today I want to share a little bit on what I've called adaptability. Everyone say that after me, adaptability. Adaptability. Okay, so many other words you could use for this flexibility, maneuverability, um, you know, etc., etc. But I want to start by reading from Galatians chapter 5, if you can turn there, and we're going to read from verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And this is uh, Paul speaking, and he says, So I say, live by the Spirit. "'Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, "'hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, "'dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. "'I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this "'will not inherit the kingdom of God. "'But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, "'kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. "'Against such things there is no law.' Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. One of the key elements of the enemy's plans is once he knows we've become born again, it's, it, he knows, okay, so these are children of God now. I may be not I can't necessarily get them the way I used to be able to get them, but now they know Jesus. So then what he does is say, okay, what can I do to cause problems in their life or how can I let them turn against each other? How can I bring my kingdom, that's the enemy's kingdom, into their life still, even though they're children of light? Well, how he can do that, the biggest one I think, and this this is what I was speaking about before with with our spirit of positive, um, not judging and everything like that, is that last four or five words there, uh, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. We see this in church and it's just one of those simple little ways the enemy can get in, just provoking things, causing things. And it's interesting that um, from verse 19, it lists off a whole lot of sins. And if you're like me throughout most of my life, when I've read Galatians chapter 5 before the fruit of the Spirit, I've seen those sins and I think, well, I haven't done any of those really bad ones. Um, So I'll just park them and then go on to the fruit of the Spirit. But if you look at them for a moment, there's words like impurity, idolatry, hatred, discord. Isn't discord such a very... Interesting word. It's not one we use today. But if you think about it, discord is a very, very simple thing. It's just like disunity. And then you've got jealousy in there. Jealousy. Every single one of us in the room has had times where jealousy tries to rise up. And then we've got fits of rage. Selfish ambition you know maybe maybe we've got things where we've put pride in place so we've got our own plans and ambitions and we've put that as number 1 dissensions and factions now these things are very little things and they happen very often even in the body of Christ and so if we for a moment you might be able to take out a lot of the big um the big sins you know the sexual sins and the and the really large sins but then when you look at some of these things these are sins of the heart and so What I want to talk about today is keeping our flexibility and our adaptability in the kingdom of God so that we live by the Spirit each day, each hour, so that we become adaptable in the body of Christ, so that nothing rises up within us to make us an agitated Christian. An agitated Christian is a really interesting person to be around because sometimes they carry less peace. Than a non Christian. And what that is, is it's because both kingdoms are raging within. The kingdom of light's in there, the stamp of the Holy Spirit's in there, but then the enemy is trying to bring these dissensions and factions even within those kingdoms within us, and trying to, even with our surroundings, trying to bring dissensions within our own spirit. And this is why Paul says, Live by the Spirit. Live by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature because the enemy's trying to press us with the sinful nature. He's trying to press us with the old man, the old memories, the old ways, the old patterns, the old responses. When someone would offend us, how did we used to respond? We used to respond from the kingdom of darkness. What would we do? Get them back. Get them back. Pay them. Vengeance. But the Lord says, vengeance is mine, not ours anymore. And if we operate like that, we immediately come back under law. And therefore the law, the natural law is going to participate in our life or operate in our life. We're we're going to reap what we sow. If we reap law to other people, we're going to reap that back. So if we hold people to a very, very strict account, we're going to be held to the same account. Matthew actually talks about that. And Jesus is going to say, you know, the way you judge and the way you forgive is exactly how I'm going to see you. On Judgment Day, it's a really scary thought. I uh, listen a lot to R.T. Kendall, great theologian and preacher, and one of the things he says very, very often is, "How would you feel this morning?" And and in fact, I'll put myself totally in this this barrage statement because it 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 haunts me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> How would we feel this morning if up on the screen we had um, your name placed at the top and then? We just flashed out every sin for the last few years. Just a video recording of all of those sins. Maybe that anger or those thoughts. No one might even know about this. Some of that stuff that's flashed through your mind or you've looked at or you've thought about other people or whatever else. I mean, seriously, it's a scary thought, isn't it? It's a scary thought. Well, it is for me anyway. I know that's not the kind of thing I'm going to get a really Pentecostal hooray from. But it's a scary thought, I'll be honest with you. And this is because the enemy tries to play on that old man, the old sinful nature, and he tries to bring it back. It's not back, but he tries to bring it back. And so when we're operating like that, we're delving into the past. It's not the kingdom of light. It's the enemy trying to bring back that sinful nature. So when we say that snide remark, when we try to pull someone down, when we try to maybe make ourselves feel better by recognizing someone else's weakness, this is the sinful nature. And this is what you could call discord, that old-fashioned word. And it may not be discord with a whole group of people, but it will be discord within your own spirit. And that's why Paul says live by the Holy Spirit, because when we live by the Holy Spirit, we listen to those things and we check ourselves and we go, "Hang on, hang on, that's from that's from the kingdom of darkness, not from the kingdom of light," and that's a dissension between my own spirit. And I don't know if you're like me, but you know, every time I open up the Bible and begin reading it, I'm having this alignment going on. Um, you know, I I'd get through a few lines of one of Paul's letters or Hebrews or, you know, anything pretty much, Proverbs, and it brings a spiritual alignment. If you do not read the Word of God regularly, your life will not be aligned. It's a big statement, but I just know it's true because I know it of myself. If there's a week that goes by or whatever, you know, it, it, when I was younger, you know, there might be a whole month that went by where I just didn't get some of the Word of God in me. And there's just little spiritual disalignments that happen, little anxieties that happen in our own spirit that don't bring peace. And when our words come out, they're not, they're not, they're not attached to peace. Why? Because we haven't got the Word of God in us. And the Word became flesh and it is Him in us. So when we're reading this, we're reading Him. We're getting Him inside of us. And so, um, you know, that's why I encourage you. I mean, something that, um, you know, we we do and, and Karen's got it on her phone is a Bible reading plan. If you're not good at reading the Bible, get a Bible reading plan, or you know, uh, do what uh, you know. We're teaching our kids to do. You know, uh, this year is is if it's, if it's the 14th today, read Proverbs 14, chapter 14, because there's 31 proverbs, so you've got one for every month of the year. You can just keep going over that chapter. So if you just don't know where to start, start there or start in the Gospels. But it's essential. It's essential. Paul in in. Um, um, I was reading both Galatians and Hebrews this morning, so it could be in either of those books, but in either Galatians or Hebrews, he actually, and it still surprises me how Paul talked to the churches. Have you ever read um, Paul's letters and you just think, boy, that's harsh. He would not have a church in this day and age. (laughs) Everyone would leave because he was so, so truth, so truth. Um, Anyway, I would go to his church because I would just, I'd go, whoa, that hurt, but I like that. You know, it's like chewing on a a steak that's way too big and you don't chew it enough, but boy, it's good. Um, Anyway, um, he says, you know, you guys, you're still on milk. I can't even give you the good stuff yet. You're still on the basics of laying on of hands and repentance and salvation. Come on, move on. Well, the way we can move on is becoming very, very adaptable. And what I mean by that is, can you imagine, and, and uh, some of you guys who are from the older generation would maybe be able to uh, think about this, but, you know, when I was younger, really young, there used to be the chorus book, The Blue and the Brown Book. Who remembers The Blue and the Brown Book? Okay. Yeah, some. This whole side doesn't. Um, but anyway, it was a book of choruses, and I think number one was called Majesty, and, um, and it was interesting, I was thinking about it this week, and there's been various renditions, modern renditions done of that, and they haven't quite probably hit the early day high. But um, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, wow, I bet at the time when, I don't know, Graham Kendrick or whoever it was who wrote that or brought that whole, that whole series out, I bet there was an uproar within traditional churches of the blue and brown book. <laughs> yeah. Was there? Yes. I mean, isn't that phenomenal? I mean, we look at that now and laugh and think, hey, that was the Holy Scripture, you know. Uh, But it wasn't it wasn't. And then we look at maybe the modern movement now, you know, Hillsong and Bethel and all the songs that we love and the style that we love and, and you know, and we think that, that's just it, we got to do that. And then, you, you know, you rewind a hundred years and you think some of those incredible hymns that were sung and, and you know, when they started perhaps fading out and, and, and I love Charles Wesley and I know he wrote about a thousand hymns, can you imagine that, a thousand hymns. Um, but, uh, you know, the words, the, the incredible depth and everything like that. And and so the reason I'm bringing that up is because so many have got so offended the moment the icing on the cake gets changed. But we've got to remember it's just the icing, not the cake. And so a lot of what we do, a lot of the style of this church will probably be different in 20 years' time. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, I bet two years' time. But that this is the icing on the cake. It's not the cake and how we dress now, and how we even preach now, and this sort of stuff. But is the word still preached? Yes. Is the gospel still the same? Yes. Are the fundamental beliefs the same? Yes. Is marriage between a man and a woman? Yes. Are some of these things absolutes? Absolutely they are. They will never change. But our expression, our language, I mean, can you imagine if this morning I stood up and tried to read the old King James to you you know it wouldn't quite work and half you wouldn't even know some of the words I wouldn't know some of the words but it's just the icing on the cake not the cake the gospel the word of God these things will never change and God will bring slight like in the reformation 500 years ago uh, you know next year I think is the celebration of that 500 years of of reformation Christianity Uh, this this wasn't a new truth it was always in scripture the justification by faith i mean and and so that's always been there it's just that the icing became so much bigger than the cake that the whole Catholicism and religion had taken over the cake. And so everyone had had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of icing, thinking that's what it's like. And then Martin Luther comes along with John Huss and a whole lot of other reformers studying Scripture, going back to the cake. And they realized we're just eating icing, not the cake. And so they began to show people how what's the recipe of the cake because everyone had forgotten the recipe. Does that make sense? It's a, isn't that a weird theology of the reformation but you know it's just the truth and i suppose this is we got to hold things lightly hold things loosely that aren't scripture hold things loosely that are just a, either a fad or just a, a, a even a movement or a style or a structure or anything like that because these are the things that won't really stand the test of time colossians 3 talks about on the foundation he's not going to say I mean, seriously, dudes, you had such good setup. Your lighting was so awesome. You know, when he's sang, oh, what have you done for me? He's going to be testing our hearts, testing our hearts. Did you live by the Spirit? Were you obedient to the Word of God? Were you obedient for the call that I put on your life? Or did you just go through the motions and do what everyone else does for the sake of it? And it's quite a confronting thought, isn't it? Face to face with Jesus. I mean... A lot of the um, Jesus movies, it's quite heavy going, isn't it? Passion of the Christ, I mean, it's full on. Um, And you don't often see Jesus smile. Um, We've got a version, actually, that Karen loves. She loves this one more than any because it's a happy Jesus, would you believe? And um, yeah, they've they've made a version and Jesus is actually really happy. And you see him hanging with the disciples and, you know, having jokes with them and just laughing with them. And the joy of the Lord was his strength. We've got to remember that. And so um, it sort of shows a little bit of a different side to, wow, that's what Jesus is like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And so if you are losing your joy in any area of your life, see if it's the icing or the cake do a little assessment. Is this the icing? Is this is this just going to be burnt up in the fire? I mean, is this absolutely useless for God's eternal glory? Or is it something I would go to the stake for, like I said last week? Is this something that really, really counts? And if it is to you, then you go for it, right? But if it's just the icing, then it's probably not worth the anxiety. And, um, and so this is... One of the things that I take from Paul, and for me, it's a daily thing. I mean, it really is a daily thing. Live by the Spirit. It's such a short sentence, but boy, this thing is hard to do. I don't know if you're like me, but but just, you know, half a day living by the Spirit can be a difficult thing. I mean, if you really, really let the searchlight of the Holy Spirit shine on your thoughts, on your words, on your relationships, on your marriage, on your kids, on your money and jobs and how you speak about your boss or whatever. Else. I know, remember I remember, I stand up for bosses, okay? <laughs> but, you know, these are things that can test our adaptability. It's, a, it's an interesting concept that um, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. And it's like I said about the the blue and brown book that most of us can't even remember it now. But at the time, it was, it was the way to worship. I mean, it was the way to worship. You pick a song from one of those books and um, Scripture in Song, I think it was called, wasn't it? And, um, and so, you know, it was like the way, the way. And, and so if we were sort of stretching out of that, you might have been a radical. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to hold these things loosely and realize that they alone are not the kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is galatians chapter five twenty two love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control because this is the fruit that we 're to evidence and so it 's a really good heart test to see wow um, how have i how have I adapted in some of this and we, we've said this regularly, but we honour our older generation to be able to adapt in this kind of environment, in a dynamic environment where we're trying to speak the language of a contemporary world and a younger generation and an older generation all in one. And it's not easy to do in a pastoral setting. And so some churches just go down one track, some go down another. But it, you, you can't get away from the fact that we need to accept change. And in this modern world... Change is a daily way of life. Um, it's just like so regular. I mean, the way we pay our bills, the way we live, the way we make telephone calls, the way we watch TV, the way schooling is done, the way all sorts of things are done. It's just change. And it's just going to happen more and more and more and more. It's, it's so interesting these days. You know, there's businesses that pop up out of nowhere and all of a sudden they list as a billion dollar business. In, in two years, some of them are just out of date. They're irrelevant anymore because technology's already surpassed them. And so, you know, but this is the same in the spirit. We've got to just be on to what, what is he doing? What's he really doing? And not get so phased by the icing of the cake of what's going on around. But what's Holy Spirit saying for me in this atmosphere? And, and this is when the rubber hits the road of how adaptable we are, how flexible in the kingdom, or do we want things our way? If we all want things our way, we'll never have a body. We'll be dismembered we have hundreds of dismemberments all over the place and there's no body. The kingdom of God works through a body and operates through a body. So today is really about continually, I mean, even for Odinga, it's like it's something we have to adapt to and change. And we have to even adapt a little bit of how we do things here so that we can be relevant down there and actually speak a language and relate to them in a way that they can respond to us too. Uh, If we don't, if we just say, here we are, this is how we do things, bang, 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 I mean, you know, good night. We're just in our own little insular world. And so being able to adapt, and, um, you know, chameleons are really good at that, aren't they? Those, um, that's what the little lizards are called, isn't it? Yeah. Um, You know, they just adapt wherever they go. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, wow, you know, adaptability isn't just good for being able to. You know, take on the next thing. But it's one of the best things for survival. And I think this is true. Of when the enemy tries to pick people off, he can easily pick people off who already have an issue with adapting to perhaps a modern culture. Or, and I'm not just talking about a modern way of doing church. That's really just the icing. But what I'm saying is even going with things. I mean, I said it last week. Iris is probably the most adaptable technology person I've met in this kind of area. And, and, but, it's, but it's a good thing when we can adapt in an environment because it helps us defend ourselves against the enemy and those things that we might hold on to of being absolute pillars of Christianity, will they stand the fire in eternity? Will the, 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 the things that we hold on so dearly and think that has to be part of the church? It's interesting starting a new church down at Odinga because there's so many things that we haven't got established. In fact, we've never established anything down there. You could do anything. You could start it anyway. As long as we're preaching the gospel, worshipping and glorifying him, it, we could do anything else a different way. And the coffee's slightly better down there, by the way. So, you know, you can come and try it out this afternoon. It's not. I mean, Rocky's tweaked this machine this week. It's awesome. But it's, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to sort of prod and chop and change some things this morning so that we can be a very adaptable people. I tell you why. Because the kingdom of God is always advancing, always advancing. And I'm not talking about just bringing out new CDs on iTunes. I mean, we love that. But that's not necessarily the kingdom of God advancing. What I'm saying is God is always wanting you and me to advance his kingdom. And he chose you. He chose me to work through. The sovereignty of God normally doesn't mean when you get on the train, everyone's going to fall out under the power of God and ask you, how do I become a Christian? Just because you read Smith Wigglesworth version of that. I know. It's annoying. I've tried it for 20 years. We, um, we went to the cricket a while ago and went on the, the, you know, the tram, and, and I'm standing there thinking, it's not working for me. <laughs> but... But, you know, it sort of shines a searchlight on your own humanity and weakness. But what I'm saying by that is we can have so many perceptions and so many ways of how we think God's got to move. But one thing I know to be true, he'll do what he wants to do. And so we adapt and we stay in the spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want for today? And some of the things we major on are actually only minors. Some Some of the things, you know, there's a great saying, pick your battles. And, you know, you could have 10 different things on right now that you could pour your energy into all 10 things and you will wear yourself out. I know because we've done it. And so it's definitely a thing we've had to learn. Okay, is this one, one I have to fight right now? Is this a battle I have to do? Or is it just one I let go through to the keeper? And so that kind of discerning, picking your battles, maybe your kids, maybe school, maybe work, maybe health, whatever it could be, picking your battles is a key to being adaptable and saying, okay... No, not even going to worry about that one. I'm just going to focus on the major issues that the Lord's bringing to light now. Listen to the Spirit of God. Read His Word and find His voice in this situation. And um, three things that I think, if I look at church history, I mean, there's been a whole lot of majors on minors over history, hasn't there? People have gone to war over minors. I mean, even the Crusades was ultimately mass loads of battles and battles and battles and battles and battles over an earthly land when we're getting a new Jerusalem, not an old one. And so when we... It just went quiet in here all of a sudden. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not going down that track. Um, Where was I? Three things. Three things that I believe stand the test of eternity. That if we stick to these three things, now these are a little bit beyond, obviously the word of God is this the foundation, I just assume that, right? Prayer, all those fundamentals, That, but these three things, love, fruit and power. And if you think about those things, when people, men or women throughout the ages, maybe in scripture, maybe through history, when they have evidenced these three things, love, fruit and power, they have been radical Kingdom workers on a mass scale. Now, if you think about, you could, I think you can run that through the test of just about anyone who you can think globally, both you know, from Praying Hyde in India to C.S. Lewis uh, to um, uh, Mother Teresa, to, you know, to all the great names that you can think of. But they will generally all have these three core values running through their life. And what I mean by that is love. They have a love for God and a love for people. It's very hard to release the kingdom of God if we don't love people. But if we love God and we know who we are and whose we are, then we are able to love others. And when we release that love, something happens. It doesn't matter what sort of style we dress or sing or what church we go to. If we are evidencing the love of the Father, we will have a kingdom impact. And then if we have the fruit of the Spirit flowing, Galatians chapter 5, we read them out. If we have the fruit of the Spirit flowing through us and we can control ourselves and we can hold our tongue when others are gossiping, or we can maybe have patience and kindness when others maybe or the old man might have risen up and done something, when we evidence the fruit of the kingdom, it's really, really nice, isn't it? I remember um, uh, an old principal that was uh, at the school really disliked that word nice. And I've grown up always when I say that word, I think, oh, is that okay to say that? You know, it's amazing the impact that has on you, isn't it? But they really strongly dislike this word, nice. That's not even a word. It's, you know, it's not a a word word, a proper word. It's not an expression. Um, But it just works sometimes, so I'll continue to say it. Um, But when people evidence that fruit, even around you, maybe you, you're anxious and, and you come to them and with, with your problems and they just evidence the kingdom. They're just that fruit coming out of them, you know, and they're able to keep their temper. They're able to keep their cool and just go, wow, you know, let's trust the Lord. And I mean, apart from slapping them on the face, which might be your first want or desire because they're just being so holy, can't you sympathize with me for a moment here? Or um, maybe no one's like that other than me, but... It's one of these things that it's, it, when people really receive the fruit and when they evidence the fruit, it's really, really powerful. And then power. Now, this might sound like an interesting one to bring out of this, but power, when people evidence the power of God, and I don't just mean praying for people and having them fall down. What I mean is the authentic power of the Holy Spirit. It might be in word. It might be in authority, it might be in the knowledge of scripture, it might be in miracle working, it might be in something like this, but it's very, very distinctive when someone has the power of God operating through them. It's very distinctive. It's not that common, but it's becoming more and more common. And thank God that he's, he's moving all over the earth and growing mature believers who love him and want to serve him and operate in the miraculous. But these three things mark us, I believe, to see, are we maturing or are we still on milk? And it's one of those things that I think I bring back to myself. Okay, what would Paul say to me? What would Jesus say to me? Would he say I'm still on milk? Or would he start giving me some of the good stuff? You know, the heavy duty kingdom stuff. And I hope that he would say, you know, you're getting there. You're getting there. The more you live by the Spirit, the more you don't gratify the, the desires of the sinful nature, the more you listen to me and don't do what's contrary to the Spirit, but listen to the Spirit and obey the Spirit, the more the fruit of the Spirit's gonna burst forth. And even this week, you and me are gonna have opportunities to bear the fruit or not. What are you gonna do? Because it's a choice. It's definitely a posture, it's a, it's a lifestyle and living by the Spirit is the way to evidence it but it's also a choice. And so I want to um, finish with this and it's a story that yeah, one of my favourite preachers um, tells regularly and I use this analogy very, very regularly because I, I keep it in the forefront of my mind for myself and um, R.T. Kendall in his book The Anointing uh, tells a great Story and analogy that I think is relevant for all of us, and uh, most of us know the the lineage and the story of um, Samuel, the prophet, being called, and then eventually the people of God rising up and say, "We want a king! We want a king!" And Samuel's thinking, "Hang on, you don't want a king. That's not my way. You know, God is to be the ultimate king." But uh, they beg and they beg and they beg, and they eventually Samuel pleads on behalf of them and says, well, they want a king. And so he goes and finds Saul and and they get their king. They reaped what they sowed. And this is the problem. If we live contrary to the spirit, we're going to reap contrary to the spirit. And immediately they just lost all of that intimacy with the father because they wanted someone in between the father and them. They wanted a man who could tell them what to do. And this is what happens when we don't live by the Spirit. God works through men and women and all that sort of stuff these days, but ultimately He desires an intimate relationship with you. Intimately, intimately speaking to you, telling you what to do, teaching you, training you, growing you. And of course the body does that together, but that's His desire. The Father to the sons and daughters. And so anyway, they they have Saul and Saul rises up. He's great and mighty for a while, but then Daniel comes on the scene and quite clearly Daniel is the next anointed leader and all sorts of jealousy rises up in Saul and you, you probably know the story. But what we have here is three men. We have Samuel in the middle who is hearing the voice of the Lord. He is called today's man. And then we have Saul who was anointed, but as soon as jealousy and sin uh, really crept in, he became yesterday's man. And then we have David who's tomorrow's man. And so we have three men that we can even look at in our lives and say, which one am I? And the way we stay today's man, because ultimately that's staying fresh and living by the Spirit and not letting the icing over, overtake. If we let the icing become too big, soon enough we'll be yesterday's man. Why? Because we won't hear the voice of the Lord anymore and we'll be looking around to others to see, oh, what's my position? What's my stature? What, what's everyone thinking of me? The minute we think like that, we become yesterday's man. And Because what that does is it removes the anointing. It removes the authority off our lives of being a son or a daughter of the Most High. And so staying today's man or woman is absolutely critical. It's adaptability in the kingdom. And the reason he brings out about tomorrow's man is David... Would have been wrong to have been promoted too early he had to go all through the desert he had to go through all sorts of things and he had to fight the lions he had to fight the giant he had to do all sorts of things, even though the anointing was on him very, very young but um, you know just like the, the old saying i can 't remember which revivalist it was i got about ten names going through my head right now, but it was one of the greats I think it actually might have been Charles Spurgeon, a great Baptist preacher, but So, you know, the worst thing that can happen to a young man is for him to be promoted before he's ready. And it's true. It's why we need fathering in movements. It's why we need fathering even in Christianity. It's because that promotion too early is tomorrow's man being squeezed into today and the anointing will burst unless it's properly contained in today's wisdom and anointing. Do you get me? And so my heart is today is that you would hear that message of live by the Spirit. So tomorrow morning or night or whenever you're having time with the Lord, it's saying, Lord, shine your searchlight on me. Is your fruit flowing through me? How do I speak? How do I talk? How do I act with others? How do I react when, when there's some good correction brought into my life? Am I adaptable? Because being, living in the Spirit is being adaptable to what the Word of the Lord might want to say. And that might come from all sorts of different sources from the Word of God ultimately. But I believe this... Prepares us. You know, it's interesting in being pastor of a church. It's like, you know, do we go after revival every single week? But if we do that and we don't have this maturing and this growing and this muscle building so that we can actually stand the tests and the trials and build resilience and strength and wisdom and character and all those good things, then when God does begin to pour out in an increased measure, we may not be able to contain it. So my heart is to bring that balance so we have the power of God being released. All all the time or as often as we can but we also have this maturing going on so that when there is little dissensions or the enemy might send someone in because you know he does that from time to time who's maybe a dissenter someone who likes gossip someone who likes bringing down leadership someone who likes to criticize when that person comes in every single one of you can see them and go not listening to that person I'm just going to pray for them Love, you, love your brother, but I'm not listening to what you're saying. You remember the bubble theology that Shampa, I've shared about Shampa. She just bubbles it, just love, you, love your brother, but I'm not listening to a word you're saying because it's horrible what's coming out of your mouth right now. I give you permission to do that. And, and as a family, wouldn't that be a powerful thing if, if and when, because the enemy sends foxes in the vineyard, right? It's it's biblical and it happens. It's human nature. Perhaps people who are hurt, people who have been hurt by authority, they don't quite know how to operate rightly in a body. I'm telling you, if we can do this as a unified family and recognize people that, love them through it, but we don't come under it. You know, you see the difference? We don't give it place. We don't give it a voice. We don't give it authority over our spirits and our soul. And we don't say, yeah, you know, it is, it is pretty bad. You know, oh, yeah, they're pretty terrible. And this, that, that. No, no, no. Truth reigns supreme. And so we bring truth in love. And we say, hey, yeah. Love your brother. You know, we just love worshiping. This is the way we do it. Let's just do this thing together. If you need some help, happy to help you. But sorry, I'm not going to have half an hour of this, you know. And so, this is how we become a mature body, able to stand the test and rise up. And then, what we do is we begin to lift up everyone around us. Everyone stands up to a new level. And there's a resilience in the body of Christ. And when those tests and trials come from the enemy, we're standing taller, we're stronger, and we're able to stand those things. Then when outpouring comes, we have an incredible foundation of resilience and love that flows through the body. And those little, because when outpouring comes, things get really crazy. Things get crazy, right? Some of you, you know, have been through that. They get crazy and all sorts of things get stirred up. But there's a unified web of love and unity that flows through the foundation of a family that can support it. And this is what they didn't have in the Reformation, They didn't have apostolic family. They didn't have apostolic alignment. Luther, I believe, was a prophet. He was a prophet and he was a teacher. And so it, without that apostolic framework, he was just going and releasing this revelation, which is absolutely true, but with no framework, with obviously a bent in certain areas against Jews and this sort of thing, which was completely unscriptural. But, but if there were apostolic family and alignment in there to say, hang on, you're an incredible prophet, you've got a revelation from the Lord, and you're an amazing teacher, release that, don't release any of the other stuff. Then you have a movement that doesn't necessarily burn down churches. Do you see what I mean by that? This is how the apostolic works together in unity and in love. And I believe God's raising up thousands upon thousands of churches all over the world. People we know, we talk to, and we're in contact with all the time. This apostolic family is growing big time. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And why? Because I believe God's heart is to pour out all over the earth in a major move of God. And we've heard that for a long, long time. But you can see him putting the building blocks. The apostolic building blocks and family are in place. Anyway, I'll take that off for next week. Let's stand. I want to pray. Thank you. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here at Harvest, for Morfitt Vale or Dinga. Lord, I thank you for every family here this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be those who live by your spirit, those who hear your word and are fed by you and react out of what you're doing in our hearts. Lord, I pray even right now you may shine your searchlight upon us and if there be sin, if there be dissensions, if there be anything within us that is not lining up with your kingdom, today we let go of them. Today we ask for forgiveness. Today we choose to stand in alignment with your word. And with your truth. And Lord, I pray that you would come with your mighty wind upon us, your people. And Lord, that you would pour out your spirit. And Lord, we pray even for this whole southern region. That they would be able to see and hear a people that carry the kingdom of God so dramatically, so powerfully. That there's so much authority and love and power flowing through us. That Lord, it will be absolutely Uh, just distinctive. It will be a mark of who we are. An absolute mark of who we are. So Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today. We thank you today. If you want healing or if you want to be um, refreshed and you want prayer ministry today for exactly what I've spoken about, I'm going to ask Rocky and Ryan to come and pray for everyone this morning and um, they're going to do that. And if a couple of people would catch for them, that would be great. And maybe the worship team could come up now and just um, play in the background. But I, I just sense it would be good for us this morning, for those of you who need a refreshing or to need to be enlivened in this living in the Spirit of God. Connect with Him this morning. Respond in prayer and allow Him, allow Him to move over you afresh. There's a fresh touch for some here this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Maybe Rocky and Ryan, you come and stand out the front. If you're hungry for that, come right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come right now. And uh, they're going to begin praying over you. If a couple of catchers would come, that would be great. And Lord, I pray even right now that you would release your presence. Release your presence. Release your presence. Lord, I ask for increase on every person that comes forward this morning. I release increase over them. Increase in the kingdom. Increase in the kingdom. Increase in the kingdom. Any doubts and fears and negativity, wash them off them this morning. Wash them off them in your blood in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You might just want to stay and worship. Um, If you're a visitor, you can... uh, Go out and get a coffee in a minute. And uh, we bless you this week. And uh, be praying for us down at Aldinga this afternoon. Have an awesome week.